Listeners, welcome back to the final episode of the Business of Wellness podcast for 2023. I'm your host, Jacqueline London. I have a fantastic episode to officially round out this year of content. I think you are going to love it. My guest today is Faye McRae. She is the head of content for Well and Good and Live Strong. And we are going through the top trends in wellness that she and her team at Well and Good have forecasted for the new year for 2024. We talk about so many different topics really spanning across the wellness industry. I found this conversation fascinating. I think you will too. I think you're going to get so much out of it. I had so many thoughts on each of these trends and I don't even want to spoil it for you. I just kind of want to dive in. You let me know what you think. Um, I cannot wait to hear from you. As always, I am so grateful to have such an amazing group of people listening to this podcast. I'm so thankful for your time, for your ears, for your staying with me and bearing with me this year. And I cannot wait to see you again back on this feed, on this little podcast feed in 2024. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. Happy New Year. Hope you're all having a wonderful holiday season, and I will see you in 2024. Enjoy today's episode with Faye McRae. Faye, welcome to the Business of Wellness. I am so thrilled to have you. We have many things to talk about, but first, how are you? Tell us about tell us about uh, how your day is going so far. It's been a good day. I feel like it feels very Wednesday-ish, like, you know, you're just getting over the hump and the weekend is ahead. So, I mean, we had our trends launched this week, so it's a big week for us. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to you about these trends. I feel like we have, we have many topics to cover, but just to give our audience a little intro, a little bit about you, let's go back. Tell us about, tell us about you. Tell us about how you got started in editorial and what led you to well and good, because as I understand you are somewhat, I mean, brand new, as far as I'm concerned, five months, that's brand new. So yeah, tell us about your new role and, and how you got here. Yeah. So I'm leading content currently for Well and Good, and it's been a fantastic almost five months. I have sort of a windy road to editorial and journalism. I actually practiced law as a healthcare attorney for quite a bit of time. Um, and on the side, I was freelancing and writing and just loving it. And I think like a lot of us, when you kind of approach these like pivotal moments in your life and ages in your life, you're like, what do I like really want to be doing? You know, and for me, my passion and love was in words and journalism. So I ended up making a pivot and uh, moving into journalism. So I I worked in trade publications following that. I worked for a little bit for a mental health publication. And now I am here with with the great folks at World of Good Brands and Well and Good. That's amazing. I have to say that I think you are truly the first at least on this podcast, you are the first person that has been on the podcast to be a healthcare attorney to then <laughs> become someone in as head of content for Well and Good and Live Strong, and also just as like an amazing journalism powerhouse. Like <laughs> that is an amazing leap, but also makes complete sense because you're yeah. spending so much time with words, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think still like in service of people and making yeah. sure people have the right information to make the right decision. So it feels aligned. I think at the time I was like, oh, what am I doing? But now I'm like, that that made, that made sense. <laughs> it worked out. It was all right. <laughs> Is there something that you feel like you learned either in law school or on the job as an attorney that you are still using to this day? Like, is there one thing that you're like, 
I can't believe I'm bringing this into this situation, but I'm doing it. It needs to be done. Oh gosh, that's such a great question. I mean, I think the power of words is, is, you know, so valuable. And when you're dealing in the law, like you sort of learn to answer questions with like, it depends and look at the different sides of things. And I think in this age of like combating medical misinformation and like just how saturated the health and wellness space is, oh like it's a really great place to approach the conversation because you don't want to make anyone feel like those beliefs that they held to so strongly about health and wellness are just categorically false. You want to be able to look at things from a lot of different sides because it's so personal, your health and wellness journey. So I feel like I take that with me every day. <laughs> Such a good point. So well said. I feel like that's a, also a recurring theme on this podcast, which is like the sort of sometimes fine line between religion and, and wellness, right? Like uh, the, yeah. <laughs> there is like sometimes just a belief that you're not going to change, even if it's not scientific or evidence-based, but yeah, it just keeps on coming up and getting people to yeah. sort of even just open their minds to another style or train of thought is right. I'm just the hardest part. So yeah, hundred percent. Amazing. amazing that that's what you guys are doing. So, all right. So you start this new gig in July and tell us about how it's been so far. Like what is the most amazing thing? What is the scariest thing? <laughs> Give us a little lay of the land and you can be, you can <laughs> feel free to answer that. However you like, I, I'm not going to, I mean, I, I knew I was excited about working for the brand. Cause I was a fan obviously before yeah. I came on board, but I think I've just been blown away by like, and I mean this, like not at all. And just trying to sell the, the greatness of the publication, but just yeah. how much the team cares. Like the team is just so passionate about this content and, everything that we publish, I feel like is just so well thought and we're thinking about the audience and it's just a really like, just a really loyal team um, who just loves the work. And that's been inspiring. There's just such great editorial integrity um, behind the scenes. So I think the challenge is like, we just have so much we want to do, you know, like, and so many folks we want to reach and so many things that we want to talk about. So it's just getting, I guess, disciplined and like what we go after first and, you know, the space that we make and really intentional about that. But um, yeah, I'm inspired by this crew every day. My little love letter to my team right now. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. I mean, that really is like, it really makes all of the difference also is like, especially for such an iconic brand, like well and good that yeah. it's been around not that long, but like long enough that like all of us at a certain life stage have sort of like, yes, grown with it, <laughs> you know, re- cons- been a consumer of the content. What, tell us about the, the well and good reader. Like who yeah. is she? I'm guessing mostly she, but I'll I'll let you tell us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think the well and good reader has and will always be just someone that's like intellectually curious and like has an appetite for autonomy and like taking ownership of their wellness journey. Like I think the the well and good reader wants to make the best choices for them, you know, and and so much of what we do is just making sure that everything that we provide is like expert backed. Again, there's just so much noise in the wellness space. And I think a lot more than used to be like because of social and TikTok. I mean, there's just, everybody's an expert on wellness. Everyone's an expert on health, you know? And I, I think sometimes you see things and you feel confident. Yeah, I think I'll do that. I want to do that. But you need a place to go where you can say, okay, let me ask this question in a way that I'm going to get the right answer. And I know that I can trust it. 
So I think that that's the well and good reader. And, and you know, we recently polled our, our audience and it just sort of confirmed what they're getting from us and what they need, you know, and our, our mission is to really continue to meet that need. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So, all right. So this leads me into, into our 2024 trends, which yeah. is really, it's really our, it's our reason for being, even though I have so many more questions that I can ask you, but hopefully we'll get to kind of interweave <laughs> those throughout. But um, what, explain to us the, the methodology behind the 2024 trends report, because I feel like you come in, it's, I mean, something that I feel like was really ingrained in me in my magazine background was like, July is Christmas. So you yes. walk in and it's pretty much Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, where, where do you start with something like this? What's the process look like for well and good to, to kind of establish the trends that you came up with? And I, I know yeah. it's, it's 10, right. And how do you kind of whittle down what you see and, and make sense of the information that you get once you have it? Yeah. So trends really is, as you know, like our staple, like that's just yeah. kind of the thing that we think about and we feel like we have a solid like seat in the expertise of. So it's a rigorous process. Like, I mean, it obviously starts with a pitch. It starts with an editor coming in and saying, I saw this thing, you know, I think this is going to be the next big thing, but it doesn't stop there. You know, the next question is like, let's talk to the folks that are creating it. Let's get it, get it to the experts to vet it. Cause we don't want to put anything forward that we feel like could, you know, be harmful. So we just want to make sure that things are really like, they look like they're really, really going to happen. So we pay attention to the data. We pay attention to the experts. We pay attention to the audience, you know, to really get a temperature of those things that are kind of percolating that we're going to see in the new year. And then the, the, the writing begins and the research begins to really dive in. There have been some some things that we were just sure that this is the thing and our writers get in it and they're like, eh, this is not it. Right. It's just kind <laughs> of fizzle. not it. Yeah. Can you share one of those with us? Like, do you have a good example? Oh, like, oh, what was the one? It's like on the tip of my tongue. It was, I think it was about like the environment. I think yeah. we see like with everything with climate change, there's like a lot of adaptive products that are popping up. And I think we were just slightly ahead of that one. Like, yeah. you know, the conversations are starting, but we're not quite there yet, you know, but I think it's oh, just right. one of those things that we, you know, we'll probably dive back in at some point. Right. I mean, and something like, and this is not to take us down a huge rabbit hole, but I find this all the time with things that have to do with sustainability across the wellness space yeah. is that if you can't define it, like if it doesn't have an actual tangible metric, then you're really just taking someone's word for it. Right. right. Like you're really yeah. just like saying, great, like you're reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 30%, but 30% compared to what? Right. right. Like, yeah. Sort of I like, think the intentions are there. Right. We just not, you know what I mean? Right. Like right. Need a little more time. <laughs> right. It needs more. It needs a little more time. Yeah. To cook. <laughs> it's more cook time. 100%. But I, I remember hearing that one and I was like, I'm ready for those products. Like I want right. to hear about what we're innovating, but we just weren't quite there. <laughs> yeah. No, I love, I love hearing that. It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So let's go back to, to methodology. So you start with editorial pitch meeting, the classic yeah. <laughs> you're in the pitch meeting, you're hearing a bunch of ideas. What, what kind of stands out to you as like, this is something we should explore at, at that, at that early stage of this process yeah. versus like, you know what, let's table this. Let's keep that for 2025. Let's put that away forever. Things like that. Yeah. I think it's those things that you have to stop people from talking about, you know, like yes. the idea comes out and then everybody is going off mute, you know, in the virtual Love environment. That. Like, yeah, oh, I thought about. Oh, I saw this here. You know, like there's 
that conversation and that excitement. Yeah. I think that's with any pitch, you know, and it's like, that's oh, totally. thing. let's, let's dive in there because, you know, when you can get the team excited, you know, that our audience will also be excited. So do you guys share this ahead with consumers? Like, are you, do you develop a consumer panel? Like, or does this, does this stay kind of internal editorial board and then, and then it goes out? Yeah. I mean, we keep it pretty hush hush, but we do have like per pitch, you know, we usually have folks that we talk to just to make sure again, that, you know, we're, we're putting forth something that's really research backed. So usually we look depending on the industry within each industry for the voices that we can trust with the understanding of, you know, (laughs) we're not saying anything about this quite yet. (laughs) All right. Well, I have to give you a compliment now. It's time. It's time. We listen. We've been recording for a few minutes now, <laughs> so I've been whole. I've been sitting on this one, and I'm like, okay, like I, I've been like thinking about this since since you shared the trends report with me, which is that to me this looks honestly very different. And yeah. I am a well and good. I'm a loyal, well and good reader. I have been since I, I don't know. I want to say I, I literally have memories of working clinically in the hospital and reading the newsletter, like when it would oh. come out. Like I really. Yeah. I feel like since the beginning of my career, it's always been always been curious about what is happening at Well and Good and the content that you guys share is always fresh. But when I saw the first trend on the trend report, I thought, oh, they're doing things different. And it's really, <laughs> and I just thought like, wow, like it was so refreshing and it felt so eye-opening. I love that. And I really feel like I, I, I am sure that there are many brilliant minds at well and good on your editorial team, but they also have to give a little, te- a little credit to you, Faye. I mean, that's like, I haven't seen that stuff before. Like I felt like this was pretty awesome and like gangbusters. And I just thought, okay, they're really thinking differently now. So let me, let's, let's kind of get into this one so that you can share more with us, which is about how the real estate industry is bringing wellness yes. to your doorstep. Let's, let's start with that big Big number one, because I feel like real estate is a really under discussed component of wellness in general, and we don't talk about it enough. And I love seeing it here. Yeah, it's one of those ones. This is one of the ones that kind of came up and everyone was just like buzzing, like talking about, because, you know, I think when you think back to the pandemic, you know, when we were all in our homes and you know, we really were like committed to creating an oasis. You heard about people baking and, you know, just exploring these DIY like hacks in their house. People wanted to create a safe space in their home. And I think the real estate industry has really taken notice. And now it's like a value prop of of a new home or an apartment complex to really be taking into account some of these wellness needs. So when you think about like water quality and lighting, you know, amenities like saunas and steam rooms, now you see these places popping up and they're saying, hey, we're doing this here. You have this at home. And this is a part of what you can build when you're creating your oasis. So one of those trends that was just so exciting because it's so aspirational like you know the idea of being able to do all these things at your doorstep was just so fantastic you know the other thing about it that I think is almost even even more kind of like bare bones about the whole topic concept all of that and it's something that I noticed so my my husband and I moved during the pandemic actually I mean in 2020 at the beginning of 2022 so we basically took all of 2021 to find a new place to live and it was grueling it's not I don't mean grueling from like the traditional sense that you kind of expect I'm that that we I had this sense that like our lifestyle of how we use our home has evolved because yeah. of the pandemic. 
And so your home kind of has to be more than one thing. It can't just be, and especially in New York, like where we're very yeah. much used to like living in a shoebox and then yep. <laughs> do everything else outside of your home. You're kind of like, wait, no, I really need this to be, to have certain components that are just in the layout, like just in the design that make it yeah. a little bit easier to like live my life as it currently is and not how it used to be. You know, yeah. like that, yeah. that's like really an important thing. Absolutely. So I feel like, I feel like that's why this really hit home for me on a personal level, but on, on a professional level, I, I completely agree. Like it, it's, it's not just in some of the other amenities. It's also in the actual space and how you're using it. Yeah. Have you yeah. heard from readers? Like, have you heard from people about how like their sort of space needs and evolution of those space needs has contributed to sort of lifestyle changes or how it contributes to how they work or how they live? Certainly anecdotally, I feel like everyone yeah. kind of shares a similar yes. story. Like I know yeah. I'm from New York originally, but we've yeah. been in Maryland, a more kind of, you know, suburban area. And I was used to commuting every day, you know, like hey. when the pandemic happened, I was suddenly home and I was like, did you know we had this beautiful walking path behind our house? You know, I was having all of these discoveries coming home and telling my kids and my husband, there's, there's a pond. Like, did you know, did you guys like, know? And no one told me happening? like, there were just all of these beautiful things. And luckily I had the realization that I really, really liked where I lived, right. you know, during right. the pandemic. And I was like, man, it's beautiful. Like, you know, but I think folks are now looking at those things. Like, you know, what can I build within what I have? And I think one of the fantastic yeah. things about this trend is that a lot of these, these buildings, these residential communities, these developments are popping up thinking about those things for you. Like yeah. we have the New York city based the well, and it just opened its first residential building right. with an onsite wellness facility in Miami. Oh. It's like bringing the spa into your house. I mean, it's just, there's just all of these great things kind of popping up. And then a lot of folks are duplicating them, which you see kind of as a trend in our trends, you know, yeah. people bringing these amenities into their homes. It's so cool. I think it's fascinating. All right. So let's, let's go, let's go to our number two. Let's get into the AI of it all, because I, I, I reran in anticipation of this, of our chat today. I reran this episode last week on the podcast that was, oh, I shouldn't even say last week because probably by the time, um, folks are listening to this, it will be a little ahead, but anyway, I reran some of our, our 2023 friend episodes Yeah, and I felt like in December of 2022, <laughs> like AI was going to dominate so many things. And I think so many of us probably fell for that, right? Like the, we were all like, yeah. we're ready. We're, we're ready. Like we're ready. We're not ready. We're scared. We're terrified, but also <laughs> could I automate this? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like a combination of those things. So tell us about AI and that, that component of things on this year's trend forecast. Yeah. You know, what's so funny. I feel like nothing scares like editorial folks yes. more than AI. Right. <laughs> like, it's just like, do we touch Scare this? But, you know, like it's happening. So, you know, we discussed it in the context of fitness because we just saw so many awesome and like innovative things that were happening in this space, like just different ways to measure f fitness. And really it's about personalization. Like we think about things like the BMI, right. And we know yeah. that that just is so flawed with how right. it measures weight and, you know, depending on your ethnicity, I mean, there's just so many different factors yeah. and it was designed with like one body type in, in mind. It just a, a dude, like it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't thinking about anybody else. 
So now you th see these things popping up that measure other things like 23andMe um, is working with predictive fit to like measure your DNA in terms of like how to get the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to your fitness routine. So now we're using these tools to kind of just create these paths that are more custom to you and getting you feeling good and feeling healthy. That's super cool. I had yeah. no idea about that. I mean, that really blows my mind and also makes me think like, because I, I've only just started, <laughs> this is, you probably hear this a lot. <laughs> I feel like this is so embarrassingly um, true of me, but I feel like probably my listeners also know this about me, which is that <laughs> I can't help my true crime obsession, right? Like I just, it's in all right? Like we have it, like we just, we just, have it. We just need to know certain things about crime. And one of those things is that I feel like I didn't, I didn't know until somewhat recently how 23andMe was so impactful in this. I know. <laughs> right? So like to hear that it's also great for, for personalized fitness really gives me a little bit more joy. Yeah. <laughs> how are you seeing this play out? Like in fitness products and, and where, to, where, or perhaps in fitness products that are coming soon to the extent that you can talk about it. Yeah. I mean, predictive fit for sure is one of yeah. them We've right, right, right. kind of tonal, you know, giving yeah. you like the ideal amount of resistance fitness AI, which is, you know, helping you determine how to lift, you know, and we've also seen health coaches like AI health coaches, you know, for me, me, I know my that fitness regime, scares me. I, I know, I know. I think so much about fitness and staying committed to a routine is about accountability. Like I was one of the many people obsessed with my Peloton during the pandemic. You know, I just started doing like this fantastic boxing class, but you get used to working in these communities. And now it's like, hey, we can provide this with AI. Now, you know, you can have a coach. Whoop is a, an established wearable that's a uh, fitness coach that can kind of just, you take it with you. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I have to say this part scares me. This does still, and you're so yeah. right. There is yeah. no group of people. I love that you said that there is no group of people that feels more afraid of AI. than <laughs> <laughs> <Ed Harris. laughs> Myself I included. I was exactly. like, like I deeply relate 100%. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm that's terrifying. But also the, the concept of like the, of some of this personalization that happens with AI is that like, it's, it's still only going to be as good as what you tell it. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. I always found that to be so interesting, right? Because you can go to a doctor and they can be like, well, you told me this, this, and this, but let's check these 25 yeah. biomarkers or whatever. And you're like, okay, like I, it's not, and I don't even, I'm not even saying that to, to mean or to insinuate that people yeah. lying to professionals or lying to their machines or any of those things. I just mean that like, it's so common. It's so human error to, to just open yeah. something or to not know something or to not necessarily like have all of that information. So I'm so curious to see how this develops and how it yeah. really is. Maybe out too, it takes away a little bit of the stigma. Cause I think there is a little bit yes. of like, you go to the doctor and maybe yes. they tell you to do something that, yeah, I haven't been eating as many beets or a hundred percent they ask, but like, I can tell an AI coach, look, I kind of fell off track. Like, what do I need to do to get back there? So, so yes, it's, it's certainly no substitute for your doctor, but I think it, yeah. it does add an interesting layer to your kind of health routines. All right. So now that we're, we're on this, let's skip ahead. Let's skip ahead to the last trend because I feel like it's sort of an, an, a perfect segue for us. Yeah. But let's go to the last one and then we'll come back. But like, wh what about the health gear at home? 
Yeah. Happening there. The other day I did an echo for myself using my Apple watch. <laughs> it was exciting. And I will say just to add a little bit more flavor to this current conversation is that I love that Apple watch is like the CYA around Apple is brilliant. It's like, but also if you don't feel well, call your doctor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Always, but, if, but just yeah. call your doctor. <laughs> tell them you did this echo. Do you know yeah, I mean? yeah, like truly amazing. All right, so tell us what's happening there. Yeah, I think within this trend, you still see kind of those traditional wearables, like the yeah. Apple Watches of the world and things. But now they're being incorporated into products that you're used to using every day, like contact lenses. Like you can wear contact Whoa. lenses that are measuring for glaucoma or other eye diseases. You can your tampons can. I test for STDs or, you know, other, I mean, it's pretty incredible, you know, that these devices aren't necessarily, you know, you don't have to now, well, I mean, you still want to schedule those diagnostic tests that your doctor says, but now they're just kind of of a part of your daily routine that they're checking for these things in ways that don't inconvenience you because you're already using them, you know? Right. Yeah. How amazing is that? What about, let's talk about the tampons. What's going on there? How are they doing that? How are they figuring that out? Well, I mean, who knows, right? The technology behind this, but it can tell you about your flow health and your vaginal pH. What I love so much about this trend is that just women's health issues are traditionally understudied, you know? Yes. So, I mean, having these, these te- this tech now sort of filling in this gap, you know, is, is pretty amazing. I'm so interested in that. I also feel like I've been seeing so much and and hearing so much. And certainly my my sister has worked in this space for some time yeah. now, but like like about the menopause space, about like like yeah. the, the sort of evolution of that. And I, I think of that when I think about um what you said about like there's there's barely been studies done on exclusively yeah. women's health or women's health specific topics. Yeah. Um, and I wonder. I wonder if you're seeing anything that kind of alludes to how the evolution of that space will change, not necessarily life stage specific, but more about like how actual women's health and women's needs is being incorporated more into the kind of scientific research stage, or if that came up for you at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think even when you just look at this trend, I mean, you know, a lot of what we saw in this space are menstrual cups and 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 things that are women geared. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, the postpartum things that are happening. I think what's beautiful about what tech and like this stage that we're in, in this era in 2023 and in the future is that there are more people that are empowered to solution for yeah. things that were traditionally left to the medical community. So you know, true. now there are people that are see things and they're like, I want to fill this gap. Like I want to figure out how to address these things. And I think that's a thread that you see with a lot of new innovation in tech is it's really just people solutioning for things that maybe were traditionally you know, not prioritized, which is, you know, a pretty awesome trend to, to note. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, tell me what you think about this, but I, I wonder like when some of these things come home, right? Like some of the preventative things. Yeah. I think that like that concept is so special and so helpful. And there's so many great things about it. And then on the other hand, I find myself, and this is just a personal thing. So take it for for what it is. And I wonder if you've just experienced this also is like, I have lost a lot of patience for things (laughs) as a result of being able to get a lot of other things on demand or to be able to have access to them. (laughs) So now like I go somewhere and I have no patience for a line 
for example, not that I ever, I mean, who am I kidding? I never had patience for a line, but like, <laughs> so like, there's just so many other things where I'm like, what do you mean you need the weekend for these, this yeah. or whatever? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so much that has become so much more on demand that I've kind of lost touch with like how much time certain things should take yeah, or how easy they should be to access. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, so relatable. I feel yeah. like we've been getting spoiled to like convenience, right. <laughs> that it's like it is becoming more and more difficult to say, Oh, wait a minute. This, this takes a bit. <laughs> A hundred percent. And I see that, especially in the food industry, because in so many ways, the food industry can be ahead in lots of places. And in other places, I'm like, why don't we have more convenient solutions for produce? We have convenient solutions for like, we literally have convenient solutions now for your tampons. Yes. We have convenient (laughs) solutions for like, I don't know, apples. I I mean, honestly, I was just, I just went to an event that was sponsored by an Apple brand this morning. So they're sort of top of mind. But I still feel like their convenience solutions are lacking. And I, yeah, I mean, it just, it really, it really makes you think about like all the other things that we've kind of lost that tolerance for at this point. Yeah. And I mean, you see that too, I guess, with the trends in a lot of ways, it is really kind of more convenient. It's like, what can we get? Can we get now? And what can we get without having to leave our home? You know, that's (laughs) such a big part of it. All right. So now that I, now that I brought us there on the food industry, Tell us about corn. Uh, tell us about corn because I am not going to pronounce this first word right. About uh, corn. Nixtamalization. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Upsetting that I, <laughs> that I work in this specific part of this industry and yet don't know what that is. Never. Okay. Tell us everything, Kay. Just help yeah. me. I mean, I think so. Nixtamalization is an ancient Mexican culinary technique where whole kernel corn gets gently cooked and steeped in an alkaline solution, which in turn helps it reach its full nutritional potential. So I know that was a mouthful, I love but it. there's so much about, again, that convenience piece is that yeah. we've lost some of these processes in times. This is yeah. an ancient tradition that suddenly we're seeing pop up everywhere. People are saying, hey, this is what makes this more nutritional. We've lost this value. And now we're going to think about incorporating this into our products. So, I mean, it's an, sort of an old school remix you know, yeah. and we all love, we love tortillas. We, we love flour based, I mean, corn based products. Okay. And now this is a way to get your biggest bang, your most nutrition from the process. It's sort of like, I think when I think back on people's realization about white rice, you know, yes. and, wait a minute, we're taking a lot of the value out of this. Let's go back to, to the right. good stuff. It takes longer to cook. You have to sift through the grains, but you know, in the end it's better for you. And, and that's sort of what this is akin to. So interesting. All right. So, Okay. Give me the, give me the first part again. It's the process, the cooking process that enhances nutrient value of the corn itself, but, but does not necessarily alter the way that then products that use corn are made. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a long process. You cook it. I think it's like six to 12 hours in an alkaline solution. Like it's a a long process, but a lot of what's great. I think about this trend is that there are brands now doing it for you, Cool, <laughs> you know, so Vista Hermosa is doing yeah. freshly made tortilla chips using this process. You see Macienda's tamale mm-hmm. kit now is using this process in the creation set foods has three flavors yeah. now. So a lot of our brands, so we don't have to do the six to 12 hours of soaking unless we, want to. That. I mean- unless we want to, <laughs> but now we know it's something to look for. 
Wow. Super cool. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of another comparable, like rice is a great example. I'm trying to think yeah. about something else that like has gone through a similar sort of process. I mean, something that I still feel like is part of that culture of misinformation online that I feel like I'm combating yeah. all the time is people saying XYZ is, has no nutrients or like the whole carnivore community that has decided to come for me personally, but also come for others in, in the nutrition space that is like really about the whole anti-nutrient discussion. And I feel like this is the perfect antidote to that because it's really saying, no, no, there's, there actually are different cooking methods. And also, you know, I think this is something that we need a little bit more transparency about just generally, which is like, yes, different cooking methods will enhance or diminish different nutrients in different foods. Like, and that can be okay. You can still get nutrients from mixed sources. I just, I feel like this was one of those ones. I think when the editor brought it up, I was like, what? Like, this is like, I didn't even know to think about that, you know? So yeah, super interesting. I love when it's something that is, that is an ancient, like, I love the word ancient. I love that as part (laughs) of the process, right? I love that we get something that is like truly steeped in heritage and culture and then comes to us in a more 2024 package. I I just, that's so much more exciting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's get into the stuff about hair longevity. And I'm so curious about this because I happen to see, I'm embarrassed to, uh, to admit this to you, I happen to see a TikTok that was someone talking about how, um, investors are sort of over beauty and they're moving on to hair care. And I wonder what you think about that. And if that like tracks with, with this trend in general. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly make sense. And what we've seen this trend, yeah. just in terms of longevity, I think coming out of the pandemic, it was a lot about hair loss. I think, you know, a lot of people were trying to figure out that piece. Folks were suffering from long COVID, you know, but I think now people are thinking about the longevity sort of of their hair, you know, and how to to prevent it from getting dry or brittle, maintaining color. You know, it's sort of like a a delicate, you know, thing because we know aging can be a wonderful and beautiful thing, you know, as Mm -hmm. well, you know, but I think, you know, our tresses, we want to maintain what we love the most about them, whether they're, they're gray or not, we want it to be beautiful and healthy. So we're seeing all of these products now that are really talk like shampoos that are removing heavy metals, you know, that are hard water that impact your hair, you know, products that are really about detoxifying and repairing bond repair, just things that are really about an investment in the longevity of the things you love most about your hair. Hmm. I honestly, personally feel like my, mine needs a, mine needs a bit of a of a make, I hate to say that a makeover, like it needs a full make. Like, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, I just feel like, okay, yes, I'm here for the aging process, but I'm not here for the fact that like my hair's dead. Like I killed yeah. it. <laughs> I can admit that. Okay. I killed it. Yeah. But like, what do I do? I'm not going to get, it's like only going to grow as fast as it's going to grow. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's so interesting when this conversation came up. So, you know, black women, we're known for just putting all, like we do all the things right. right. With our right. hair and I had braids and extensions you know, one of the products we saw in this space was like extensions that have nutrients in them. So when you use them on your hair, it's actually good for your hair and protective styling. And it was like, what if this was around when I was in my twenties, <laughs> I would have saved myself all the rehabilitation I had to do with my hair. Be so different now. Yes. Right. Oh my God. That's so cool. That's such yeah, a good example. 
I love that. All right. Let's go. Let's go to saunas because I feel like that's an adjacent component of this, but what's, what's happening with the sauna industry. I agree. I'm seeing a lot happening here and I want to know one other component of this that I feel like you can definitely, definitely help us help lead us (laughs) on this one. Why saunas versus the cold plunge? And also thank you for not the cold plunge. (laughs) (laughs) We're just seeing so much. So you like the word ancient, right? Because they've, it's ancient. It's been around forever. We've seen, you know, saunas. When I think of saunas, I conjure up these like eighties movies with people walking into these wooden like areas. There's a very eighties component. There is a, I don't know what it is. There must've been a movie. Or a few movies. A few movies. That must have been what it was. But I think what we're seeing here is just so much innovation. You know, in saunas, it's no longer just about that dry heat. You know, we're seeing red light therapy, electromagnetic field therapy, like these things to reduce inflammation, things to mimic the earth's magnetic energy, like things you wouldn't even think of that could be good for your body and balance, you know, but they are. And now you see these things popping up that not only bring them to your favorite spa or your favorite wellness studio, but also ways to bring them into your home. Yeah. So I mean, I, and I haven't, I did not double click on this one yet because I figured you would would give us the taste, but like, are, are the sauna blankets on here? Like what's happening there? (laughs) What's going on with that? That That's a fire hazard to me, but yeah. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that. We didn't okay, talk good, about good, that good. in this piece. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. I feel better about that. Because to me, when I hear sauna blanket, I just think your house is, uh, I'm so sorry, but you're yeah. about your home. Like, yeah. I, think, like, come on. I feel similarly. Heating pad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know. I mean, there's a time and a place, but honestly, unfortunately, that time and a place is very few and far between. <laughs> like, all right. Let's go into... I'm saving my favorite one of these for last. So I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll. Now I'm curious. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Let's go for, let's go for your home. Let's go back to the, we'll go back to our real estate roots here and talk about your home and why it's going to smell good. Yeah. I say, are we going to get our homes to smell good and how are we going to do it? Yeah. What I loved about this trend, this is actually one of my favorites. What I loved about it is the exploration of the connection between smell and mood and nostalgia and emotional wellness. And now we see so many brands sort of jumping on ways to kind of create that connection between what you're smelling when you walk in and your mood and how you feel. You know, I know personally, my shower is like my favorite place. I love to spray my eucalyptus and like, you know, it's just such a wonderful thing. So we're seeing not only brands popping up in this space with new ways to enhance that feeling and that atmosphere in your home, but also to do so in a way that's healthy, you know, like it's not introducing these sort of forever chemicals into your space, but ways where it can actually be good for you. So like Safely, which was co-founded by Kris Jenner, of all people, plays with the relationship between emotion and smell. So there are new scents like calm and rise and bright that were created to evoke these positive moods. So now the scents are a part of your self-care regimen. I mean, I have long felt this way. I'm a super smeller fae. (laughs) I'm very uncomfortable. Like if I, if there's somebody next to me, like, you know, that feeling when you're at an event or you're somewhere and you're, you're like, especially like if you're stuck on a plane or you're stuck on a plane, something like that. And you cannot get away from someone that's wearing something that is just not going to agree with you. And you're like trapped. Like there's this, 
this is the end for me. Yes. <laughs> no way out. But it really does. It affects like how you feel. It affects mood, but it also affects other things that go into mood too. Like, yeah. like I, I literally will never forget this horrible little story, but I, I just, I, I never forget that I had an intern once when I was working clinically where um, I, I was like, you can't be wearing this perfume. I, like it was so nauseating <laughs> to me. I just felt like this is offensive to patients, but also I'm not going to eat for the rest of the day because I yeah. feel so sick. Do you know? Like, yeah. So many other things. So I'm totally with you. I feel like fragrance yeah. in general, especially in your home. Can, yeah. And it can bring up mood. Like I know when I was a kid, my mom used to remove her makeup with a product called Seabreeze. And it had a very distinct, like a stringent smell. I remember seeing Yeah. And years ago, I was somewhere and I smelled, it was like Target or something. And I smelled it and all of a sudden I was like, you know, like it just was, I was filled with all this nostalgia and this like, you know, so there's a connection between smell and mood and feelings, you know, and products are really getting into the science behind that and putting things on the shelves. So interesting. Yeah. All right, let's go to skincare. Tell us what we need to know. What about skincare in 2024? What should we know? Yeah, so products are getting smart about skin barrier training, which is, you know, something that I I think I anecdotally knew about, but really didn't quite understand until reading about this this trend. So your your skin barrier is really your first line of defense against pollution and bacteria. And it's important for it to be hydrated and healthy. So things like dryness and irritation and inflammation all can sort of make you vulnerable to illness and can compromise you. So a lot of products now are building in this like barrier training or this barrier health into their propositions for why you should buy them. So we're seeing things that are advanced moisturizer all about barrier repair. And what's interesting about this this trend is that it becomes even more important kind of when we're dealing in these uncertain times with climate, we don't know what we're gonna be dealing with from one moment to the next. So now there are products that can protect your skin, you know, from these, these changes. I've definitely noticed that. I've definitely, this Um, one, I feel like I have started to see definitely towards the middle to latter, like let's say the third quarter, third and fourth quarter of the year. Like I feel like you've started, like I'm starting to see these products pop up in lots of different places. And I just feel like, honestly, is there anything we haven't hacked in skincare yet? I'd love to know. (laughs) I know. The one thing, and I heard someone talking about this. I don't know where it was. It might've been, I was watching, might've been some stupid show I was watching or it could be like, it could have been something I was reading, but I, I like, I personally feel like the product that I need the most, I'm wearing a turtleneck today. So you're not going to see it, but like where, like no one is helping me with the tech neck. Yeah. Who is coming to save <laughs> my tech neck? And, and I mean that both from like a, a visible standpoint, but I also mean that from the, the, like, yeah, there's like an AI bot that could come in and move my shoulders back. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it a year from now. This may be on our next trends report. (laughs) Watch us in in 2024, December 2024. We're going to be having this conversation. You're going to be like, here's your little man standing behind you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Moving your shoulders back. 100%. That's, I mean, that's how these things rise up, right? Out of need. Like folks start talking about it. You know, this summer, at least on the East Coast, we were dealing with those wildfires and the haze. And everyone was worried about their breathing as well. They should. We should have been worried about that. But we weren't really thinking about our skin, right? Like, what is this also doing to our skin? You know, so that's how these things pop up. Such a good point. And it's something that I feel like comes up a lot in nutrition in general, which is like, 
anything that is good for you on the inside is also good for you on the outside, you know? And I think we forget that a lot. It's just like a very simple concept that is completely true. It's like anything that is filled with any foods that are filled with antioxidants. Yes. They're, they're good for protecting skin, protecting cells from damage, but they're also good for protecting skin cells from damage too. So all of that stuff, like, I I do think it's a very easy one to to forget about, but the, it's so important. Yeah. A hundred percent. Let us go to eating for wellness. What does it mean in 2024 versus right now? Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things I love in the, in this one is that the idea of joyful nutrition, oh, no, <laughs> there's just something about Dang that. Just, yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, so we're seeing products that are focusing on things like less added sugar and fewer ingredients overall. And it's a lot of staples, like a lot of things that we're used to, but like kind of remix now to bring forward better taste, but higher nutritional value. We're also seeing more honesty and in, in packaging yeah. and in ingredients. So it's like, think functional comfort foods, yeah. you know, like just kind of this more more joy, but also function behind what we're eating. Yeah. Give us a couple examples. Like what kinds of products did you see in this space that really stood out to you? Yeah. So good culture has a cottage cheese. (laughs) Favorite. Yes. Yeah. And it aims to convey that comfort, but also that joyful nutrition and nourishment. So they're responsibly sourced. You got the taste. They're tasty, right? Um, but also, you know, they're, they're not leaving anyone wondering anymore what's kind of good for you or what's in it. Purely yeah. Elizabeth also is now kind of leaning into this space. So now there are these no frills oatmeals and cereal and value size packaging options. Um, doc, Dr. Prager, um, who who we love in my house. We love Dr. Prager. Yeah. yeah. I'm totally with you. I know. Yeah. Crunchy cauliflower, better. sweet potato veggie burgers. But they're really developing kind of with the idea of this crunchy texture. But again, just that kind of authenticity and transparency behind what's in them. I love that. I love all of those <laughs> examples too. I yeah. Say. Those I know, are I'm great hungry. ones. I'm also a little hungry as you say that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one other question to add to this, to this mix on the topic of food is yeah. how, have you seen this in the beverage space at all, because this is a person, it's a personal hobby person of mine is like seeing way too many beverages try to make certain claims. And I feel like, you don't know that you can make that claim. <laughs> yeah. Way with making that claim from a legal standpoint, right up your alley, but yeah. I can't <laughs> quite rationalize from a scientific standpoint, how exactly you're totally getting there, you know, like yeah. some of those things in that gray area. And I, I especially see that. And I feel like I talked about this a lot. Um, this time last year when it comes to like non-alcoholic cocktails. Yeah. And I just think like some of these, I'm like Welch's ran so that you can walk. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're, this is just grape juice, but like yeah. okay, adaptogenic grape juice. Like you want to call it, like call it that. Right. <laughs> There's some of that. So is there anything new in beverages we should be hopeful about? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so funny. I feel like when this conversation was first, pers- for sparked, I think teas, yeah. we had seen a lot of teas popping up in this space, you know, so I think it's happening slowly. Water had a moment like a couple of mm-hmm. years ago where people were like, what's in your water? Like, let's talk mm-hmm. about this. You know, what totally. should we be drinking? So I, yeah, I, I'm sure that it will follow suit. 
Let's hope. All right. We keep <laughs> across. All right. This is my fave. I think this is our last. I don't want to make sure I'm not missing any amazing ones because no, I think I think so it's good. my favorite too. Okay, so- good. This is my favorite one is about the next generation of postpartum care. Yeah. We need this. I mean, this is, I mean, I, I think we need this. I, I am having my first baby in January. Oh my so, God. Congratulations. I haven't really talked about it on the podcast yet. So like, <laughs> this is like my moment. Oh my but God. also what a I moment. So for, privileged as being I, know, of course, <laughs> I mean, I saved this, saved it for you. <laughs> I feel like I need to know all of this. And also I feel like the things that are being served to me I mean, there's so much there's, we could, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about, um, about women's health in general in this particular space, like postpartum during pregnancy, fertility, like on this topic in general, I just feel like the last couple of years have really seen so much of a tech boom as well as a products boom. But I love that you spoke specifically to postpartum because I think this is probably just a hunch (laughs) going to be a real area of interest for me. And also yeah. just like so many other people that I know that have felt like, what do you mean? You go home from the hospital with this new human <laughs> and now what, now what, or like what's happening to me or what's going on with my body or like, what is, huh? what do I do in my life now? You know? And I, I have honestly, like, even, even just now, like has experienced so much unnecessary anxiety. Like I don't even want to call it real anxiety because there's plenty of things to be really anxious, like genuinely anxious about, but anxiety is what I consider to be anxiety that comes from sources that you didn't seek out or want, but maybe you one time searched for something on Google and now you're being fed things on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. (laughs) You know what I mean? So tell us about the future of postpartum care. Yeah, I, I love this trend so much. Um, so I'm a mama, I'm a boy mom. And, Aww. you know, for me, I always, th- that period is sort of like the forgotten period a little bit, because yeah. you're right. Not only are you coming home with this new human, but you're also yeah. like, your body has gone through this like massive monumental shift and change. And it continues oh, to go change, right? If you're nursing it you know, just all of the things that happen. So this is an example of that kind of folks filling the gap or filling a space that was kind of maybe left a little bit to the imagination by the medical industry. What's somber about this is that we know that maternal mortality, the rates particularly in that period, that first year after birth are extremely high. That's when we're seeing a lot loss, you know, and that comes from that kind of lack of attention from mental health issues to physical issues. So what's fantastic about what we're seeing about products that are popping up in this space is it's really about addressing all of that. You know, I know you're in New York, there's a great space. I don't know if you've seen the little clips of Borum in New York, but it's based on the South Korean customary like postnatal care, like where you have someone come in and help you and baby. So this village, it's like a retreat center, but it's all about kind of catering to the needs of mom in that period after helping with baby, making sure you're measuring your blood pressure, making sure you're eating, making sure you're moving okay. Like just all of these things that when you leave the hospital, sometimes you're not paying the best attention to. You know, the one thing that has gotten me <laughs> through this period is the, is the sort of reassurance. And, and I think it's just that, right? Like there's room for these two things to coexist. <laughs> there's the reassurance that like my grandma did this. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, my grandma did this and she had no internet or technology <laughs> or like place to go in. The, the, it was like 
checking on her well-being. You know, like there's something very reassuring in the idea that like perhaps we could get through this. Yeah. (laughs) But like at the same time, it's also simultaneously really nice to know that there is real innovation in this space, especially because, you know, like as we're talking about it, I'm just thinking like how many, there really are so many different products that have come up in the fertility space, in the prenatal care space, in the pregnancy space, but postnatal it's really so rarely talked about until I definitely think like, and specifically, and granted in this case, I am biased because I am probably getting fed so many of this type of stuff, but like, I really started to see more things show up in this space and it's really exciting. And now I just think the one, the one thing that's really missing is like someone, and I I'm looking to well and good for this, like someone to help us navigate, like what's legit versus what's kind of just crap. Yeah. It's it's so great too, that you mentioned like your grandma and like, you know, because I think so what's interesting about a lot of these products is it's baking in like community support and some things that I think maybe our, our grandmas had that, you know, just in the age we're living in now, a lot of folks move away. You live, I know I had my, my first little one in my hometown in New York, but then we moved, you know, and we had our, our second two boys you know, in a space where we didn't have as much support, you know, so I think when you think about things that are popping up now, it's creating the village, right? It's creating that support around you that was so vital to, you know, our grandmas being okay and being able to navigate through that maybe is lost in a lot of ways. So Borum, in addition to having a space in New York, they also have a digital platform, you know, a lot of these things are just stepping up to fill that gap. So you have 24 hour support, you know, daily check-ins, like, folks just making sure you're okay, you're thinking about the right things during those first, first, you know, that first year with baby. Love that. I love that it goes through the first year too. I feel like yeah. that's a critical <laughs> component of things. That's definitely, <laughs> so it may be only a fraction of what you might, I was hoping that you might say it goes through college, but okay. <laughs> I would love that. I- <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like that would be, maybe we'll be talking about that again. Yes. September of 2024. <laughs> All right. So I want to ask you this, which is like, if you had to kind of, from your bird's eye view, summarize the trends that are on the list yeah, in a sentence or a word or like something that, that kind of inspires where you think each of these kind of comes together, what would you say? I feel like we've touched on it a little, but I, yeah. I also love your fresh. I think in a word like personalization, you know, people yes. are have unique needs and they're thinking about unique ways of, you know, approaching wellness, of approaching care, happiness, joy, you know, fitness, all of these things. And they want those kind of personal needs addressed. So I think a lot of these innovations are stepping up into that space of of personalization. Love that. I love that. All right, Faye, I've got to ask you our, the, the final question of this podcast, which is what is the most annoying thing? that you have seen in the wellness space. And I, you can put quotations around that because the most annoying thing in wellness does not necessarily have to be something that helps you stay well. It can be the biggest BS thing that you have seen in wellness. <laughs> perhaps this year or perhaps even going into 2024, I actually would love your perspective on that. Cause usually I ask this of people to kind of reflect back, but I'm thinking maybe something that came up, you don't have to name brands if you don't feel comfortable with that, but like something <laughs> that came up in this process where you're like, this is total garbage. Yeah. <laughs> You know, oh goodness, I don't know that it's so much annoying, but I think like the most dangerous thing maybe that's popping up in the wellness space is a lot of like, I don't know, just a little bit of goodness, 
I think it's the saturation in the market. And especially when it comes to like mental health and wellness, there's a lot of folks popping up and naming things and saying okay. things that are like half true or rooted in like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of a devaluing of like the experts and like folks that have like studied this stuff and like know it um, and can provide guidance in a way that's safer, you know, for you. So I think when I see things like that, I'm like, ah, we've got to be louder. You know, like we just have to make sure that we're able to quiet this noise because folks are looking for answers. They're looking for truths, but like the misinformation is rampant and very much so, I think, in the wellness space. Couldn't agree more. And you couldn't have said it better. All right. Faye, <laughs> thank you for being here. Where can people go to learn more and, and where should they go to find you and, and where would you like to direct our listeners? Yeah, go to Well and Good. You know, you can check out our friends report, but also on our socials at I am Well and Good. You know, see our people, see what we're talking about, see what we're excited about. So good. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for listening to The Business of Wellness. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Remember that advice provided on this podcast is based on my application of research and practice as a registered dietitian and should not replace medical advice provided by your physician. If you like what you're listening to, please follow the show, leave a five-star rating, and share something you love from today's episode by leaving a review. This podcast only grows with your support. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it far and wide. It may be the one thing someone needs to hear to start building that roadmap today to secure a healthier, happier future. That's it for now. So until next time, cheers.